Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Broaden Your Perspective podcast, where Johnny Sue, your host, sits down and talks with the individuals I meet along my path as an undergraduate student. Currently, I'm a third year student studying in the science and business program specializing in biochemistry. Waterloo's co-op program gives me the opportunity to do five internships. Join me as I talk with fellow students, professors, entrepreneurs, doctors, athletes, and much more about their journey and experiences. Hopefully, you can learn something from this episode and truly broaden your perspective on life, family, work, whatever it may be. Without further ado, here we go. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Broadening Perspective podcast. Today, I'm joined by one of my really good friends that I met while exchange in Singapore. Neil, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. Hey, Johnny. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Sweet. All right. So kind of a typical interview question, but I think it'd be great for the audience to get a quick sense of who you are, your experiences, and what you've been up to. So just Tell us a little bit about yourself, the school you go to, what you study, things you like to do for fun, professional and extracurricular experiences. Yeah, of course. Uh, So I'm from the United States. I've lived in Minnesota my entire life. I'm a junior at university right now. I go to University of Minnesota studying mechanical engineering. For fun, I really like to do activities like outdoors, such as snowboarding, mountain biking, um, just going for walks with friends. Uh, as far as clubs go at school, I'm a part of the uh, snow- Ski and Snowboard Club and the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, uh, where we created an electric bike from scratch last year. Um, looking forward to my senior year now. Sweet. Is there uh, is there a lot of li- nice like skiing hills and stuff or mountains in, in Minnesota or what's the landscape like there? Yeah, so I I wouldn't necessarily call them mountains, but we do have a lot of ski-type resorts where it's more like uh, 400 feet, but uh, we do get to do a lot of laps on that. So it is similar in, like, opportunities to go skiing as if I lived out west. Okay, yeah. You got to come down to uh, Vancouver sometime. We got some some nice mountains to ski and snowboard on. Oh, yeah. I've been fantasizing about that for a long time, man. That would be (laughs) incredible. Yeah. Yeah. but tell me about this. Uh, so you join a club and you guys built an electric bike from scratch. Like, can you tell me a little bit about that more? Like, what was that? Just like that was for like for like the club project and stuff. But like, how did you guys even do that? Yeah. So the the group each year has a pro uh, project that lasts the entire year. So I wasn't able to do it this year due to my uh, exchange term. But yeah. the year before, uh, we sort of formed groups of like five to eight people. And each person has a unique unique set of skills, and we kind of divvy up the tasks. Uh, my task was more the mechanical side of it, creating a pedal that could power this battery using a shaft. And yeah. we all kind of come together a few weekends throughout the year and disassemble this bike and reassembled it and got it going. Damn, that sounds really cool. Um, yeah, it's fun. I, I, know, I know in Waterloo, like, we're kind of the university is known for engineering, I want to say. So a lot of people go there for engineering, but I never really understood a lot of the differences between the types of engineering that you can go into. But like, what does mechanical engineering consist of? Like, what kind of stuff do you learn in class? Yeah, so mechanical engineering is sort of, I'd say, the broadest form of engineering. We do a lot of different topics 
such as uh, mechanism works. Of course, that goes with the mechanical end. But we also do thermodynamics. We deal a lot with uh, energy management, fluid dynamics, uh, measuring how systems respond to different forces. So a lot of the more tangible physical properties of a system. Right, right. And how would you how would you kind of describe your academic experience so far? Is it been super like packed with studies? Like, because engineering always has that I don't want to say like stereotype, but that connotation that it's like a really really hard program and you're always just kind of swamped with homework and school and whatnot. But what has it been like for you in terms of your academic experience? Like, do you feel like you still got time to kind of be with friends and hang out and have fun and stuff, or are you mostly consumed by schoolwork? Yeah, I definitely say it does sort of fulfill that stereotype to a degree. I, yeah, what I do is I, I concentrate all my studies and schoolwork on weeknights. So throughout the week, I, I pretty much don't do much with friends other than with my roommates when I'm eating food. But we do uh, at our school get a lot of homework. I'd say that's where we spend a lot of time. And not other univer- not every university does that, uh, right. as I learned in my exchange term in Singapore. Not every <laughs> school is so concentrated on um, homework, but the the exams are really difficult. So even if there's not a lot of homework, you do have to spend a lot of time studying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool, good to hear. Okay, so it, it's uh, it's a lot of fun though, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So I know um, one of the things, especially in Singapore, that we kind of bonded and talked over is just your journey in the medical device space, because I think your experiences in that is really cool. Um, So I want you to talk to me a little bit about your journey in the medical device space, because I don't think many undergrads can say that they've worked at, you know, two of the largest medical device companies before graduating at Medtronic and Levanova. And you've also got an upcoming co-op at Abbott. So talk to us about the experience at Levanova. What'd you do there? Yeah, so I was uh, very fortunate to get an internship after my freshman year. Not many students are able to do that. Uh, it's a pretty competitive field, especially in the medical device industry, because you're competing with both mechanical engineers and biomedical engineers. For biomedical engineers, that's really the only field that they can go into. Um, so at Levanova, that first internship I had that you mentioned, it was a, a really well-rounded experience. It was, a, I was at a facility that had recently been purchased by Levanova, so it was more of a uh, up and coming development. So there was a lot of work to be done throughout the entire facility. What, what I focused on was the research and development side of it, working on a test method that would follow ISO standards. Uh, ISO standards are like the international standards that all companies that are creating uh, medical device products have to follow. Uh, it's a very regulated industry. So you have to follow a lot of standards. I uh, got to use a lot of CAD, such as SolidWorks, to do a lot of designing. I created a test method. I had to do a bunch of documentation for that test method because what we were doing was we were trying to create a device that would be accepted by uh, CE, which is the like European FDA okay. for comparison. Um, right. What I had to do was I wrote like a roughly 100-page report uh, to send to them. Wow. Yeah, so that was a, a very knowledgeable experience for me. Um, so what, so at, at Levanova, what was the specific medical device that you were working on? It's actually pretty interesting. We were working on a heart valve that instead of going in through a open heart surgery, you insert right. this heart valve. It's made out of tissue. So think, um, like pig heart tissue. We go okay. in through 
the leg, sort of on your inside of your leg, the inferior vena cava, and using a catheter, we're able to implant that device up into the heart, going through the septum, because we have to go into the oxygenated portion of your heart to get to the mitral valve, where we can deposit an anchor and then insert the valve. And the reason that this is so like groundbreaking and such important technology is because a lot of patients who require a heart valve are in their later years of life and often um, cracking their chest cavity to impl implant a heart valve would do more damage than help. So right. this new operation or sort of circumvents that, that um, risk of opening up your chest and gives these patients a whole new opportunity to breathe. We actually had one interesting patient who couldn't even walk upstairs anymore because her heart wasn't pumping the necessary oxygen that her blood needed because yeah. the, the blood would get pumped back because the valve was so um, worn out. And after her surgery, two days later, she walked a 5k. It was incredible. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I, and it's, it's like that versus having this open heart surgery and being in like recovery for like months. Yeah, exactly. And, some of the yeah. uh, elderly people aren't even able to survive through the open heart surgery. Yeah, that's really cool. But explain a little bit more about like valves. Like what do the what are the roles that valves play like in the heart? And and why do people need to get like their valves like replaced? Like what's the significance of valves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so there are several hearts or valves that you have in your heart that uh, tend to wear out the aortic one you hear a lot and the mitral one you hear a lot. And what the, the issue is, is your heart has a lot of pressure in it when it beats. And when it does contract, you want your valve to close one door while the other door opens up. Now, what happens if you contract your heart and both valves open up is that oxygenated blood that you're trying to pump out gets pumped half out and half back through your, um, like to your lungs where it was oxygenated. Right. So what happens then is when you breathe, the oxygen that you fill your lungs with doesn't get pumped to your extremities, which means you get exhausted really quickly. You're short of breath. And that's how people often find out that their their valves are deteriorating. There's several ways that they do deteriorate, whether it's uh, calcium buildup that doesn't allow it to close or the cords that hold your valve in place to start to deteriorate. Or it could just be a genetic issue. That's something wrong with yeah. your, your valve. Um, with things like calcium buildup, is that, is that from like uh, lifestyle causes or does that just come with age? It, it can be both. It definitely can come, um, from diet, dietary concerns, but, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's difficult to place an exact source on it. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Really cool. Really cool. Um, what about, what about the work you did at Medtronic? Was that also in the heart valve space? Yep, that was once again in the heart valve. Uh, this time I worked in a mechanical heart valve um, building instead of that tissue valve. So we did use um, that open chest surgery uh, method. But um, right. with, with the advancements in tissue valves, we're starting to you know, switch our markets over to emerging markets where people are less um, able to afford these tissue valve surgeries because the mechanical valve is a lot cheaper. Uh, interesting though, there are patients who do prefer the mechanical valve because they like to hear, because the mechanical valve makes noise. They like to hear that their valve is working, which is interesting <laughs> <laughs> and kind of spooky. That is very interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
so hear a clicking noise coming from their heart. What's the difference between? <laughs> what's the difference between a tissue and a mechanical valve? It's like the tissues ones just generated. Is it synthesized in like a lab, and then they just put it into your into your heart? Or like a, like what's the difference um, between tissue and mechanical? Yeah, funny enough. Uh, so it actually does come from pig heart tissue, and it can be sourced even from. Um, farmers like Johnsonville brats. Have you ever heard of those? They make like hot dogs and brats. That's actually a major source of heart valve tissue because they have this pig heart that they have no use for. So it's, you know, easily used by the medical device industry as long as it's harvested correctly and it's held in place. It's a very thin tissue. It's held in place using a, a very, very unique metal called nitinol, which has the cool property of when it's cold like freezing cold, it's malleable, which is how we are able to get it to fit into a thin catheter that allows it to go through your veins to get to your heart. But then when it heats up, it returns to that rigid shape that it was formed in. So sort of the opposite of everything you've been told, everything you've thought about metal properties. Yeah. When you get it cold, it becomes formable. Yeah. And then these mechanical valves. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you can do a lot of cool things with nitinol. It's very fun metal to work with. Yeah, mechanical valves, they're formed from a pyrolytic carbon, which is a very rigid material, which means that you can't you know, insert it through a, a vein. It has to be inserted by suturing it into the heart valve. So it's a very complicated surgery. You have to do uh, the full bypass to uh, you know, pretty much relieve the heart of its function right. of pumping blood so that you're able to insert the heart valve very yeah. complicated surgery now is is there a difference in terms of longevity between a tissue and a mechanical valve like does one last longer than the other one yeah that's that's an excellent question that's a a reason that a lot of younger people do have to go with the mechanical valve because tissue valves aren't able to last um for the 20 years would be a good length for a tissue valve, which is a little scary because right now a lot of them don't have a replacement method other than open heart surgery. Oh, so you have to, so you can get it. So if you, if you're first needing a heart valve, you can get it through the, the, without having to go through open heart surgery, but to get it removed and then replaced with a new one, you still have to go through open heart surgery. Yeah. Okay. I should, I should mention that's for the mitral valve, aortic valve. I haven't worked in that valve may be replaceable, but that's why a lot of younger patients do still need to go through the open heart surgery to get the mechanical valve in the, for their mitral valve replacement. Right. Mm -hmm. But the mechanical valve just lasts way longer than the tissue valve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've even, uh, you know, had a lot of cases where, it's like a like a really young child who needs a heart valve, which is really unfortunate because that means their heart's going to grow and you have to replace the size of their heart valve every so often. So for these mechanical valves, they have to do open heart surgery on these young people over and over again until they get to their final size. Wow. That's, yeah. that's tough. That's tough. Um, yeah, so then at, at Medtronic, was it also similar work you did? We were working with like ISOs and regulations to get, to get the mechanical valve up to speed or what was your work revolving around at Medtronic? 
Yeah, at Medtronic, I still had to work a lot with heavy regulations because we were for Medtronic, I was in the operations department as opposed to Levanova, where I was R and D. Operations has to do with increasing the efficiency, like safety, the product quality um, on the manufacturing side. So I got to work in the building where they manufactured uh, the entire heart valve. So that that was really cool, getting to see how it was made and working with the um, the people who do construct these valves every day. Yeah, that sounds, no, that sounds super cool. But is, is like heart valves and medical devices, like, do you learn anything about that stuff in school? Yeah, I've gotten to learn about it a lot this semester in Singapore. I took a couple of classes that had to do with uh, medical devices, which is really interesting because I learned a lot of what I've learned in those classes does have to do with the work I do at Abbott, Medtronic, and Levanova. Right. So then how did you feel when you first joined the team? Let's, I, I mean, you said you started at Levanova your freshman year summer. That mm-hmm. was the first, that was when you joined Levanova. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, how, how did you feel when you joined, you know, this massive company and you like didn't really know anything about medical devices or heart valves? Like, how did you get yourself up to speed on, on things? Yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was intimidating joining the workforce. Uh, right away, the boss that I had, actually gave me some homework to study on and he quizzed me on my second day on how how a heart worked so that really got me up to full speed right away with um just background knowledge on the product yeah that was pretty interesting that's crazy yeah yeah that's crazy holy um like why why the interest with heart valves and, and medical devices i mean were you aiming to get into the heart valve space with Levanova, or was it just something like, okay, this is an opportunity that's presented itself. I'm just going to hop in on this. Yeah. I've actually um, got a lot of family on my dad's side who is in the medical device industry. So right. uh, as a mechanical engineer, the mecha- medical device industry is pretty attractive. You know, it's never going to waver when the economy is uh, fluctuating. Everybody will still need a heart valve to save their life. Um, there's a lot of money yeah. in it. So it's something I thought would be a great yeah. option. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, with your upcoming co-op at Abbott, is that also working in, in the heart valve space? Do you know like what type of projects they're looking to staff you on or not yet? Uh, yeah, I have um, uh, learned about that. I'll be once again working on heart valves, this time the aortic yeah. valve. But it's once again a tissue valve. And I'll be working on the delivery side of it, the delivery system. So designing the catheter that's used to implant that heart valve. So now, now kind of like okay. my, my third stage in it with a little bit of difference to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So describe like, so a catheter in my head, I'm thinking of like a thin metal rod that just has this unique metal property to it that like wraps around this tissue that allows it to be inserted up the, the vein or the arteries. But like, what, what is, what is a catheter? What does it look like? Yeah, so it's actually a, a very thin uh, plastic tube, but it's pretty big. I'd even say um, probably a centimeter in diameter. And there's several yeah. layers to it because there's multiple things that you have to deliver. And this catheter actually has the interesting capability of being controlled from the outside. So you can navigate it using controls on the outside of the delivery system, which is what I'll be working on this summer to go through your vein pathways to get up to that okay. heart. Mm-hmm. 
so is it like so you will you be navigating like just through like is like a camera on the catheter that allows you to see like where you're going or we have uh interesting like um photo methods such as fluoroscopies think of it like an x-ray like the patient's under a constant x-ray where you can see where the catheter is in the body as it like navigates up and you can see the pathways so it's it's like real-time uh navigation that you can uh control yeah so the the people that do the designing often work with doctors and physicians that are going to be using the product to you know get feedback there's a lot of unpredictable things that can happen during surgery so the doctors have a lot of feedback that engineers such as i wouldn't comprehend until i hear from them so then that uh the unique metal that you were talking about is that that's being incorporated in the tissue synthesis or that's in the catheter like what allows it to be malleable yeah the tissue is sewn together with the nitinol actually so that's the comprising the the anchor that's used to hold the valve in place and the valve any advice for students who are looking to get an internship at one of these big medical device companies like what do you have what advice do you have for you know maybe mechanical engineering students who you know are competing with a big group of other engineering students for for jobs like these mm-hmm. yeah as a mechanical engineer you really um you are a leg back if you're trying to get into the medical device industry because there are biomedical students um, so what you have to do pretty much is show these employers that you are interested in the biomed field uh so what you could do is take a biomedical class or join a club that has something to do with uh, biology or biomedical devices, uh, or right. even just a, a background in working in a regulated industry um, looks good to them because they see that you're you're knowledgeable of how that works. It, it is pretty unique, I feel like, because things take a lot longer to go through and you have to be patient with that. There's a lot of steps along the way that are unique. At the end of your internship, it's also important to uh, share with your coworkers what you've accomplished if, if your goal is to stay within that company. So whether that's uh, creating a large presentation that you give to a lot of your, your coworkers or uh, going out to lunch with them just to talk to them about what you're doing, what you're interested in. They love to do that. They love to hear from you as an intern. Yeah. Once you do make it into the the industry, it's like important to take advantage of all the opportunities they give you, like that they present with you to learn more. Yeah. So if I'm already a co-op student at one of these big companies, what what would be some of your other opinions and advice in terms of how do I exceed as a co-op student? How do I leave like a lasting impression with my fellow coworkers? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I touched on there, they they really like to get to know you. So being a personable person getting out yeah. there and uh, communicating with them uh, leaving an impression just as a person as well as the accomplishments you make during your internship are, are important and even just branching out of the department you're already in right now maybe asking your boss hey could I possibly meet with someone from this department to learn more about what they do over there that's got a lot of benefit to it uh, I did that a couple times at Medtronic and learned a few things that I otherwise wouldn't have so I definitely recommend yeah. doing that Try to find out what you're interested yeah, in. For sure. Yeah, no, I definitely agree because like with with co-ops, like the the I find it really interesting. You brought up the the personal part of things where it's like you're you're in an office setting, so you're gonna be interacting with other people all the time. And it's like 
you can't just be that awkward guy that sits at your desk all day and doesn't talk to anybody and just works all the time. Like yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And I, that's when I found out that, you know, like academics, I mean, they, they matter a lot, but it's like companies aren't going to take you if you have like a hundred percent average, but that's the only thing you send them on your resume. Um, yeah, cause absolutely. it's like, that, that's not realistic. You know, like you're going to be in the, you're going to be in the lunchroom and you're going to run into a coworker and you're gonna have to talk while you're waiting for your food in the microwave. Like, what are you going to say? You're not just going to stand there awkwardly for a minute and not say nothing. So it's like small interactions mm-hmm. like that. I feel like play a huge role in an internship. So, so yeah. Yeah. Do you feel it's pretty easy to uh, like talk to your superior coworkers? Just like when you yeah, see them? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, the two internships that I have, have, I've had in the past were like different in terms of demographics of the people that I worked with. Like I worked for my very first internship. I was at the Bank of Montreal, um, Bank in Canada, and that was in the IT operations department. So I wasn't in like the headquarters where they were dealing with, you know, the capital markets and stuff like that. It was more like back end technical development for the apps, the software and the interface that the bank runs on. So these mm-hmm. were individuals that I want to say the average age of the company or the at least the place where I was working at out of was probably like 50 or something like that. It was crazy. Like there was one time mm-hmm. we celebrated this guy's 40th anniversary at BMO. And I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> wow. that's, that's insane. That's like more than twice my age at the time. And so it was just like uh-huh. a much more uh, elderly is probably the wrong word, but just like an older generation. So it was like, that was a totally different atmosphere in terms of like interacting with them versus the co-op that I just completed at CIBC, which is another bank in Canada. This was in like the consulting division that they had on their insurance team. So this is like a much younger team, much more energetic. Like you can just tell the culture is like way different in terms of what you, uh, I don't want to say can or can't say, but like the way that you conduct yourselves against other people. And I feel like just having a good sense of uh, social and emotional awareness helps you fit in quite well. But I, I wouldn't say like, don't stress about it too much because most employers know that they're hiring a 19 or 20 year old kid that's still in university. They're not going to be perfect in terms of um, mastering these interactions, but it'll come with time. I, I feel. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel like it, it can be a little intimidating trying to reach out to your um, more superior um, or older coworkers? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. There was, oh, I'll tell this funny story. There was this one time when, um, when I was at CIBC, I think it was just the end of Q3 and the start of Q4. So all the banks will release their Q3 statements at the same time. And so I, I get to my desk and I get this like email from the VP of the department saying, hey, I need you to take a look through all the different financial statements that and the quarterly reports that these companies released and like send me a summary by the end of the day. And I was like, what the hell? Like, oh, I'm wow. screwed. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about. Oh, wow. and so I had to like reach out to all like my manager for help and stuff like that like it, it, it was intimidating because I had to deliver this really time sensitive project by the end of the day I didn't know if I had the capabilities to pull it off so I had to kind of just suck it up and talk to different people all throughout the day and get their help but it, it was intimidating for sure no oh yeah. that sounds like a pretty cool experience yeah it, it was Definitely. good but like it, it's also really good because like if you're in the company and you email somebody else in another department and you're using your company's email address, like whatever, for me, it was like at CIPC.com. 
they're mm-hmm. much more likely to take a coffee chat with you or sit down and chat with you about the company because you're you're in the company. So I agree with the fact that, you know, leverage the fact that you're in a great position or in a elevated position to talk to other people because these companies are huge. They've got numerous departments, like take advantage of that. So I totally agree with what you said on that part. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of <clears throat> like na- um, uh, moving around in the company that you can do in larger companies like that. So you don't have to feel like you're trapped in a position. Yeah, for sure. Necessarily. Um, so then like with, so is heart valves and medical devices, would you say that's your passion or this is, you know, looking into the future here, but what, what would you want to work on? Like, what do you think is a career path for you after you graduate? Okay. Yeah. I'd say it's um, hard to say whether I've found like my true passion. That's really the only thing I've worked in. But I would say I do find a, like a lot of satisfaction in the work that I do. Working on products right. that save lives, you know, makes me feel really significant. Uh, Medtronic actually has a, a cool um, uh, statement that they, they post everywhere is that they improve two lives every single second just because of all the devices Damn. that they have being implanted worldwide. Yeah. Every second, two Medtronic devices are uh, implanted or the therapies are used on patients around the world. So that really does feel good at the end of the day. So I do think that that's a a really good reason that I would stay in the field. I do like designing, like research and development. So I think that's what I'll stay in after being in operations and getting to see that side. So I I do think the industry is um, a little bit, uh, harder to love because of the regulations that it has things do tend to move really slow whether it's a a new product line that you can get really excited for it still might take five years before that product sees the market the broaden your perspective podcast is meant to be a platform for anybody who has a story to share if you want to come on the podcast for an episode to talk about your journey and experiences feel free to reach out on facebook instagram or by email Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening through. I would greatly appreciate that. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Sue. That's J-O-N-N-Y underscore H-S-U. And to follow the Broaden Your Perspective podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and Facebook.